It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 144. We're, we're trying to report news here, some things that you may not have heard, and just to comment on things that you may have heard. And we're really going to begin with, obviously, to me, pos- the, the most significant story, and that is what is going on in India just now. And then what we've got going there is a double a double new mutant, a lack of resources, uh, and then massive drivers, for example, the 240 million people who in the last few weeks have been on the Kumbhmela pilgrimage. You know, we think we do a, a Christian camp here, but we have no idea. But think of it, 240 million people, that's 100, 200 Southamptons all on a pilgrimage together hanging out. You know, these are big drivers. That was uh, Professor Francis Davis on, on Premier Radio. Now, it's it's horrendous, over 200,000 deaths, 2,000 deaths uh, a day and so on. 300,000 cases a day, uh, hospitals not being able to cope. It really is horrific and we should do what we can to help. But I want to bring some other perspectives on this as well. You need to remember that India has 1.4 billion people, 20 times larger than the UK, uh, 50 times larger than Australia. So 2,000 deaths a day is equivalent to a UK toll of 100. Um, And then there's something else I think that's, that's quite disturbing in this. I mean, it is a very serious situation. So Australia have banned people coming from uh, India. So I guess, you know, yeah, we're just going to leave you. I have a little bit of a problem with that, but not nearly as much of a problem as I have with the fact that the Biden administration have so far refused to lift their export ban on raw materials needed for ramping up production of COVID-19 vaccines. Um, The State Department spokesperson, Ned Price, said this. This is we're talking about callous. The United States, first and foremost, is engaged in ambitious and effective and so far successful effort to vaccinate the American people. It is not only in the U.S. interest to see Americans vaccinated, but it's in the interest of the world to see Americans vaccinated. I do think that this um, vaccine nationalism or COVID nationalism that we're seeing. Do you remember when Donald Trump was talking about building walls and we were all mocking and everything? And who are the people who are building walls now? I hope the the world can get its act together. Do you know there's some other facts about India? Do you know that 27,000 people die every day in India? 2,000 from diarrhea and 1,200 from TB. But it's also the lack of good air quality that's a major factor here and also the lack of adequate hospital provision. Well, in in other news, uh, COVID news in the UK, 70% of people now have antibodies. And then this, this is uh, from, this is a a video that's gone viral, a Georgia mum making this heartfelt plea. This is not March 2020 anymore. We have three vaccines. Every adult in the state of Georgia that wants that vaccine is eligible to get it right now. And every one of us knows that young children are not affected by this virus. They're not. 
And that's a blessing. But as the adults, what have we done with that blessing? We've shoved it to the side and we've said, we don't care. You're still going to wear a mask on your face every day, five and six-year-olds. You still can't play together on the playground like normal children, seven and eight-year-olds. We don't care. We're still going to force you to carry a burden that was never yours to carry. Shame on us. My six-year-old looks at me every month before I come here, and she says, are you going to tell them tonight? Tell them I don't want to wear this anymore. And I say, baby, it's not time to fight that battle yet. I try to explain that there's so many things, but it's April 15th, 2021, and it's time. Take these masks off of my child. That was Courtney Ann Taylor from Georgia. I don't understand why children are being made to wear masks in schools. I don't. I, I, there's no s- scientific research which shows it has any effect. And it's certainly having a damaging effect upon the psychology and well-being of children. And, and that mother recognised that. It's funny, I was uh, at La Traviata, which is just a wonderful piece of music. And um, when we were there, there was a solemn announcement that came over the tannoy at uh, Please social distance and please wear masks. Well, almost nobody was wearing a mask. And as for social distancing, they sold us seats that were beside each other. It was 100% attendance. How do you social distance? Madness. Okay, let's move away from this and let's go to another country, another national anthem, this time in Africa. Do you know which country this is? Born of liberty and courage, obviously French-speaking. Landlocked, the 20th largest country in the world, bigger than South Africa. It is Chad. Islam is at 52%, Christianity is 44%, Arabic and French are the main languages. It is one of the poorest and most corrupt countries in the world. Uh, There have been, I looked and checked, there have been some people from Chad who've actually, not many, but who've actually listened to this podcast. There are 16 million people and polygamy apparently affects 40% of the people. Now, Chad came into the news this week, uh, or a fascinating report. The French have been using Chad. It's their, their, their country for stopping jihadists. But they've had a spectacular own goal. Macron's had a spectacular own goal. They supported a, a group called Haftar with aerial and diplomatic support to help them in Libya. But now it appears that these rebels, otherwise known as FACT, uh, are supported by Haftar and they've killed the president of Chad, um, Debbie, if that's how you pronounce his name. And Paris had basically invested everything on that man and now he's gone. And Macron went to attend his funeral despite the risks. But it does seem... Uh, uh, as though, again, this is another Western policy 
thinking that we can control other nations, which hasn't worked. All right, let's move on to the mad world. Here's someone called Lyle Shelton here in Australia talking about a politician called Mark uh, Latham, who has introduced a bill to stop uh, puberty blockers and everything else and to allow transgender ideology being taught in schools and to allow parents to withdraw their children, all of which seems perfectly reasonable to me. But listen to what Lyle has to say. When you've got activists um, through the education department um, in, in, and through teachers' unions insisting that children be taught um, this pseudo it's not even science, it's, it's, this, it, it's like a religion, it's some sort of transcendentalism that divorces you from your biological reality. And the fact that Mark Latham has to put forward a bill that uh, says we, we should ban the teaching of gender fluid ideology to children, and then also saying that parents should have the right to withdraw their children from any classes that they think might be of an ideological nature that they're not comfortable with, that they feel are values that they want to teach in the home rather than the school, that's all perfectly reasonable. But there were public hearings very recently and um, trans activists uh, got up and yelled at Mark Latham, interrupted the, the hearings, uh, yelled at him, called him a bigot uh, and had to be escorted out by police. Uh, now, this is just the intolerance. These people can't argue their case rationally. They have to yell and scream and call people names. And isn't he right? The fact that there has to be such a bill at all indicates what is wrong. Well, Scotland's Greens have published their manifesto, and believe you me, I find it fascinating in the Scottish election that the SNP, rather than encourage ALBA, are encouraging the Greens. And the Greens, to me, are the most dangerous of all the political parties in Scotland. Why? Because it's what's not in their manifesto, never mind what what, what is in. They are ideologically committed to an extremist progressive policies kind of thing that leads to something that happened in Ireland. J.K. Rowling, um, the Republic of Ireland's broadcasting watchdog, has said that uh, Today FM has to apologise to J.K. Rowling for calling her a transphobic bigot. They correctly pointed out that this was a very serious accusation the segment lacked balance, impartiality, or objectivity. Uh, the statement was not challenged by the presenter or any of the other, other panelists. Now, you've said this before, we'll say it again. It is up to media to provide balance, impartiality, and objectivity. Will it happen? Not when, in the hand, when they're in the hands of militant activists. As it appears, and again, I've said this so many times, the biggest danger to our freedoms comes from the corporates rather than the politicians. And here's another example of that. In Texas, deep in the heart of Texas, 43 companies that do business in Texas have signed a statement opposing two bills that would ban boys who identify as female from competing in girls' sports and ban the use of experimental puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and the genital mutilation of minors suffering from gender dysphoria. So get this, Amazon, American Airlines, Apple, Dell, Dow, Facebook, IBM, Levi Strauss, Microsoft, PayPal, United Airlines, all say that this is not what Texas is. Um, it's just quite remarkable. It says that they, they want to oppose any unnecessary divisive measures that would damage Texas' reputation and make our visitors, our customers, and our employees and their families feel unwelcome or unsafe. 
well, if you're a young girl and you're playing sport, say American football, against someone who's biologically male, that would make anyone feel unsafe. Okay. Let me bring you on to something else. Um, and this for me is also just completely amazing. You know, we're in the Me Too movement. You know that we are meant to be against sexual exploitation and all the rest of it. And you know these companies we've just mentioned? I wonder why they're not protesting about this. In a phenomenal article, then a disturbing article written in the Australian, it's been pointed out that we are now moving into an area where Netflix and many others are showing teenage, explicit teenage sex. Wealthy teenagers who insist on their right to practice incest. Religious school kids having sex in public places. And high school students who look 25 because they are being played by 25-year-olds involved in explicitly depicted threesomes. This is the hypersexualized world of elite. And it's one of Netflix's most popular dramas. Now we've seen in House of Cards, we've seen in Ozark, we've seen in many other things. Um, dramas like Elite set in high schools regularly involve scenes featuring sexual intercourse, violence, prostitution, and so on. The UK set Sex Education, also on Netflix, again, the same thing. This has been watched by 40 million account holders. So, what, what are we objecting to this? Well, pornography is a huge problem. Sexual violence is a huge problem. And these shows encourage sexual violence. And, and the, who do you think is watching this? Teenage girls, especially, being engaged in sexual acts for the pleasure of who? You know, it really is. People are scared of being accused of being prudes and so on. But how, how does this work? How, how does this tie in with we're supposed to be against sexual exploitation? As the writer Rosemary Neal points out, we are being exploited. We're seeing a copycat sexuality that trickles down to younger and younger age groups. This is a very, very serious issue. And yet our companies in Texas and elsewhere are more concerned about whether boys who say they're girls can play in teen sport than they are uh, about whether they're engaged in pornography. All right, it is. I, I think this is hellish, and that reminded me of this song. Meatloaf, of course, Bad Out of Hell, one of the best-selling albums ever. The songwriter on that album, Jim Steinman, who's also the songwriter for Bonnie Tyler, has died at the age of 73. Back to you. 
All right, here's here's something else that I think is hellish and of the devil. Uh, not him personally, but listen to a little bit of Scott Morrison, the Australian Prime Minister. You've got to pray about that. You've got to pray against that because it is such a corrosive thing that we're seeing take place. Yeah, sure, it, social media has its virtues and its values and enables it to connect to people in ways we've never had before. Terrific, terrific. But those weapons can also be used by the evil one and we need to call that out. Now, this has created an enormous fuss. Um, the Guardian, of course, ran its usual trash article. And, you know, here's the shock that a Christian prime minister who attends a charismatic church and is speaking at a Christian conference mentions God and controversially described the misuse of social media as the work of the devil. Now, he said it has its virtues and its values and enables us to connect with people in ways we've never had before, but these weapons can also be used by the evil one and we need to call that out. So the left went crazy. And I read this fascinating article where it pointed out the contrast between the Islamic Republic of Iran appointed to the UN peak uh, women's rights body and contrasting that with Australia's Prime Minister addressing a group of Christians on the Gold Coast. You would think that the misogynistic regime, one that jails women for not wearing a hijab, bans them from singing and prevents them from travelling abroad without their husband's admission, being appointed to the Commission on the Status of Women would cause outrage on the left. Not a chance. Not a word. Not a word. But Scott Morrison attending a Christian conference saying he believes in God. Yeah. If you hate me after all I say, can't put it off. All right, let's um, go to another musical death. Okay, who's this? It is, of course, the Bay City Rollers. If you don't know who the Bay City Rollers are, you should ask my wife, but don't tell her I told you that. She was a fan when she was a, a very young teenager. Um, they were huge. I mean, people thought they might even be the next Beatles. I, I can't remember how many hundreds of millions of records they sold. But their lead singer, Les McEwen, has died at the age of 65. on all right um let's just say something about uk politics before we head to the end uh boris johnson is in trouble for how he paid for decoration his curtains or his wallpaper or whatever in downing street um do you know this i think this just illustrates the triviality of so much of politics 
and also the obsession of the Twitterati in this particular thing, and also the fact that people ignore greater corruption. Yeah, of course, companies pay for things and with, with politicians seeking to get some kind of favour from them. Do you really think that donors to the SNP or Labour or the Tories don't expect something? Should they get something? Almost certainly not. You know, I'm in such distress about the state of politics. Um, I saw a Scottish election tweet or something. A vote for any unionist party on the 6th of May will only bring you more of this guy controlling your life. Overshooting a, a horrible photograph of Boris Johnson. See, as a Christian, nobody controls my life. No politician. Why did we make politics into this God religion type thing? And then in the UK also, Arlene Foster of the DUP. Uh, wow, she's gone. She's gone. Uh, several Half her MPs, several senior figures in the party said she had to go. And she's gone for many reasons. The uh, deal, the Brexit deal, which has seen a border in between, between Northern Ireland and the rest of the UK, which was not supposed to happen. That's probably been the big thing. But also... Foster abstained on an assembly vote to ban gay conversion therapy. And I think that was the final straw for many people. I, I suppose we have to do this. Let me play you just a little bit of Anthony Hopkins. Well, here I am in my homeland in Wales. And at 83 years of age, I did not expect to get this award. I really didn't. And um, very grateful to the Academy and thank you. And I want to pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman, who's taken from us far too early. And again, thank you all very much. <laughs> I really did not expect this. So I feel very privileged and honored. Thank you. Now, I, I want to go and see that film, The Father. I, I think he's a tremendous actor and I'm sure he deserved his Oscar. I had lots of... I mean, I just can't be bothered with the Oscars, to be honest. And I'm not the only one. In 1998, there were 57 million viewers. In 2014, there were 40 million viewers. In 2020, 23.6 million viewers. And in 2021, down to 9.85 million viewers. 30 million viewers gone in just seven years. You know what they say? Go woke, go broke. It's honestly, the reason we don't watch it, it's a bunch of virtue-signalling, self-congratulatory, people-making political statements, and they don't live up to what they say. And then the Oscars were meant to be about the best directors, the best films, and so on, but now it's just become, uh, you know, virtue-signalling in so many different ways. This was reported as wall-to-wall -wall news in the UK, in Australia, in, and in America, because it involves celebrities. But if anything else was declining as fast as the Oscars, that would be the end of it. Okay, it's so many different things. I, I am going to love you and leave you. I'm going to go out with this. Um, this is the song Saviour of the World, and we so need a saviour. We so need him. We so need Jesus. Honestly, we just... What a mess, and I haven't even begun to describe so much of it. Yeah.
world does need saved. And Jesus is the savior of the world. And this song played by the St. Peter's, uh, one of the St. Peter's worship groups. And it's one of my favorite versions. And I was just, I'm so thankful to have been in a church where I was able to participate, where we were able to sing like this. I'm so thankful for these songs, but most of all, I'm just so thankful that Jesus is the savior of the world. You got any comments, you got any ideas, you got any criticisms, uh, you've got any suggestions or any news, please do send them to me. You get lots of links on the weefly.com uh, and um, please do pray for us. And if you would like to support, go to the Podbean fundraiser. See you next week. <laughs>